Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Here at Money FM 89.3, I'm Clarissa Montero for the workday afternoon in 1921. A team of Canadian researchers discovered the molecule insulin. It resulted in a revolutionary milestone in diabetes treatment. It's 100 years on, diabetes care is at its most advanced and adept. Yet, the numbers of diabetes patients continue to grow at a distressing rate, with approximately 640,000 adults in Singapore suffering from diabetes as of 2020, and the estimated number projected to grow to 1 million in 2050. We take a deeper look at what it might take to beat diabetes coming up next on Money FM 89.3. Health Suites with Clarissa Montero on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Health Suites on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero for the Workday Afternoon. Today we talk about diabetes. Joining me on the phone, James Chiang, Vice President of Diabetes Care, Central and South Asia and Japan, Becton Dickinson and Company. James is responsible for spearheading the BD Diabetes Care Unit. So the perfect person to give us some insights. James, welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon, Clarissa, and thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely, our pleasure. Now, first, perhaps you can give us a quick overview of diabetes and which patients need regular insulin therapy. All right. So, you know, Clarissa, our body uses sugar or glucose for energy source. Mm -hmm. And our body also produces a hormone called insulin that helps us balance our blood sugar. And this hormone insulin is actually produced by the pancreas. And what it does is that it acts like a key that unlocks the body cells and lets in the glucose into the cell. So diabetes is a disease where these keys are often not produced in sufficient quantity or if they do not work. And this causes our blood sugar levels to be higher than normal. So there are primarily two types of diabetes. Mm -hmm. So there is one which we call type 1 diabetes. And this is the case where the body produces very little or no insulin. And then there is a type 2 diabetes where the body develops a resistance to insulin and is unable to use insulin properly. So there is another type of diabetes, uh, commonly known as gestational diabetes, which occurs during pregnancy. Right. So both of these type 1 and type 2 conditions result in high blood sugar levels that can lead to many complications. So while the exact cause of type 1 diabetes is largely unknown, it can be caused uh, by autoimmune response. And type 2 is often associated with a diet and a sedentary lifestyle, you know, often on the background of genetic predisposition. So for people with type 1 diabetes, insulin therapy becomes a very vital therapy for replacing the insulin that the body doesn't produce. And sometimes people with type 2 diabetes or gestational diabetes will require insulin therapy if other treatments haven't been able to keep the blood glucose levels within a desired range. Okay. So insulin is actually the oldest and the most effective way of managing diabetes for patients because we are essentially replacing what the body could not produce, which is insulin. Um, and it should be administered according to the doctor's advice using the right injection techniques. Right. Okay. Let me just understand. Some of what causes diabetes is genetic. Some of it is lifestyle choices. With the third variety of diabetes that you brought up was gestational diabetes. That's because a woman is pregnant and there's every possibility once she's had her baby, that type of diabetes might go away for her? 
Yes, that's right. So gestational diabetes is typically a bit transient. So mm-hmm. it happens during pregnancy. Right. And it goes away after, typically after pregnancy. So but a, a lady who has experienced gestational diabetes should also be aware that they also are at a higher risk of getting type 2 diabetes further down, maybe 10, 15 years later, post-delivery. Right, okay. Now this is quite an alarming number, although I think, you know, we were talking about this earlier and there isn't a single one of us that doesn't know somebody in our circle that has diabetes, approximately six. 640,000 adults in Singapore were suffering from diabetes as of 2020. Approximately 75,000 patients require regular insulin therapy to maintain glycemic control. I mean, it seems like a huge number to me. Is it a worrying number? Well, Clarissa, according to the International Diabetes Federation, this is data from 2019, Mm -hmm. there are 463 million people around the world that live with diabetes. Right. Right. So just to give ourselves a, um, to visualize the scale of this challenge, if diabetes can be classified as a country, it will literally be the third largest population after China and India. This is just to give us the scale of this uh, challenge that we face mm-hmm. as a global community. So and half of the people who live with diabetes still remain undiagnosed. And 10% of our global healthcare expenditure, which is around more than 700 billion US dollars, goes into diabetes management every year. So if I were to bring it to local context, right, in Singapore, um, as you mentioned earlier, the number of people living with diabetes is really projected to go to 1 million by 2050. Mm -hmm. And this is the reason why the government has issued a call on the war against diabetes. And this is worrying because people with diabetes have an increased risk of developing a number of serious health problems such as loss of vision uh, due to eye problems, some may be more prone to foot or leg ulcers and as a result may even lose a part of uh, their limbs and other chronic diseases. So according to the Ministry of Health in Singapore, two in five stroke victims had diabetes one in two heart attack victims had diabetes, and two in three new kidney failure cases were related to diabetes. Wow. Okay, that is quite a concern, which leads me to the point, and you introduced it already. Singapore first announced our war against diabetes in 2016. Initially, we concentrated on education towards prevention of the disease. Has the focus expanded towards management of diabetes as a pre-existing condition and preventing the complications, some of which you already brought up? The war on diabetes is in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I think the a large part of the focus that we hear has been around lifestyle changes mm. and diets because these, in my mind, are really the precursors and, and the underlying factors behind diabetes, right? So if we can make a difference in lifestyle changes such as diet, exercise, um, these are crucial to population health at large. However, for people where diabetes has progressed, it is also important to proactively manage and take charge of their condition. Uh, And this has always been one of the core pillars of the war on diabetes. So, and this is important for two reasons, uh, as I mentioned, for those Uh, where diabetes has progressed. The two reasons are for us to be able to decrease the overall cost of management and to improve the quality of life and productivity of the individual. So one in three patients in Singapore are unaware they have diabetes. And amongst those who are aware, a 
further one in three have very poor control of their condition. So I think it's important, therefore, as part of managing this pre-existing condition, for us to enable these patients with education and awareness so that they can continue their long-term journey with this uh, therapeutic option. Okay, now it's been 100 years since insulin, the molecule insulin was first discovered, insulin therapy, still used today. We talked about it already. But could you tell us some of the key advancements that have been made in diabetes management in the last 100 years? So I think it's important to establish the fact that uh, insulin is still one of the most effective ways for us to manage diabetes because this is essentially what the body produces. Mm-hmm. So um, on the insulin front, right, over the last 100 years, we have actually seen better insulins that are now able to more closely mimic our body's natural insulin response. So on other technology fronts, uh, we have quite a bit of innovation and advancements over the years. So starting with the 70s, uh, the first blood glucose meter and the insulin pumps actually came into the market. So this was quite some time ago. And in the 1980s, so there have also been some advancements made in the method of delivering insulins. So the first insulin pen was actually developed in the 1980s. And today, for those of us who are familiar, the needles that are used to deliver insulin are actually getting shorter and thinner. And most, most recently, uh, there are companies that are actually developing what we call artificial pancreas. So what this means is that the artificial pancreas will detect the blood glucose level and knows to deliver the required dose of insulin automatically. So these are some of the advancements that we've actually seen over the last 100 years. All right. Now, Becton Dickinson and Company is one of the largest global medical technology companies in the world of healthcare. Could you tell us about the BD Diabetes Care Unit and the work that is being done there? BD is a global company and our global headquarters is located in New Jersey in the USA. Mm -hmm. So we've been around for about 125 years, that's since 1897. And our diabetes care unit is also one of our oldest business units and been around for about 100 years. BD introduced the very first syringe specifically designed for insulin injections in 1924. And as you notice, this is just a few years after insulin was discovered. So many of the listeners may not be aware, but the very first insulin syringe was actually made with a glass body and the needles were long. They were 16 millimeters long. And you actually had to use a sharpening stone to sharpen the needles before use and you had to boil the syringe before every use. So that was, that was a long, long time ago. But today, our needles are only four millimeters long and the needle is only as thick as two times the human hair, so which is really quite small comparing to what we had a long time ago. Right. And this is because of the manufacturing and technological advancements that has happened in our space. So PD is also a leader in clinical education. There is a large body of evidence that shows that applying the right and correct injection techniques can lead to improved experience and glucose control for patients. And in Singapore, we worked very closely with the Association of Diabetes Educators Singapore to develop a recommendation we call FITSG that helps to uh, describe the best practice in injection technique. You know, you are the vice president of the DB Diabetes Care Centre. In your opinion, will we arrive at a point where we can beat diabetes? Well, 
you know, our nation's war on diabetes in raising awareness and education about disease prevention is important. Um, and that's, that's, I think, the first step for us to think about how we can beat diabetes. And we all have a role in this war. So at an individual level, if we can maintain a healthy lifestyle, such as healthy diet, regular exercise, there is a good chance we can either prevent or delay the onset of diabetes and therefore its complications. But however, diabetes is also a complex disease to manage. So, you know, at BD, we are committed to provide education and I think importantly, access for patients and our caregivers to better manage uh, their conditions. So as an example, we recently launched a community outreach program in partnership with a charity organization, Diabetes Singapore. Mm -hmm. So it's a year-long community program to provide diabetes care packs to underprivileged patients to support their treatment, to improve therapy adherence and quality of life. And this is one way companies like BD can contribute in our collective mission to beating diabetes. Do you think there are innovations in diabetes treatment and management that will be game-changing on the horizon? There has been huge strides made um, in the space of connected health, the connected health domain. So diabetes care innovation has leveraged Internet of Things and artificial intelligence to improve diabetes risk prediction as well as management. So an example are some of the innovation like smart insulin pens uh, that are now coming into the market that allows people to record and transmit insulin dosage to give better glucose control. The artificial pancreas that I spoke about today are getting even more advanced. The devices are getting smaller and therefore a lot more discreet for patients. So the performance also more closely mimics the body's natural insulin response. So these are some of the more uh, technologically advanced you know, game changes on the horizon. But there are also some quick wins with current technologies. Like, for example, in our latest innovation in BD, we factor in ergonomic features, uh, some of these things that are redesigned with patients in mind. All right. We've been speaking with James Chiang, Vice President of DB Diabetes Care Central and South Asia and Japan, Becton Dickinson and Company. James, thank you for the information. We appreciate it very much. Thank you, Clarissa. I'm Clarissa Montero for the Workday Afternoon. This is Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.